Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast. I'm here with my co-host Frank Gal, and we have a very special guest. We got Nick Thayer from the Tactical Games. He is currently their president and pretty much the head of their PR team. So Nick, before we kind of get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the podcast, can you kind of introduce yourself um, and where you're from, your competitive shooting background, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Frank, Matt, thank you guys very much for having me out. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, I work for the Tactical Games. Uh, been with the company for about a year and a half. Came on helping out with marketing and uh, loved it. Loved the sport. Um, loved being a part of it. Uh, I started out as a competitor. Um, my first shooting competition was the Tactical Games. Um, I was putting on an event uh, with a nonprofit that I used to run at uh, a 511 Tactical store. The manager of the store said, hey, you like shooting? You like um, fitness? These two things come together in this sport. Um, go and check it out. So I jumped on their Instagram. Um, I got linked up with uh, Nate and Blair Drum, uh, two incredible friends that I still have to this day. Um, they talked me, at, like, just gave me all the basic information that I needed to know. I went out and uh, I bought um, a Sig MCX and uh, a Legion, an X5 Legion, and I uh, went and competed in Meridian two weeks later. Um, so my competitive shooting background is completely in the tactical games. I've done some local matches. Um, as far as two, I shot two gun and a three gun uh, competition. And then I've shot some carbine stuff as well. Um, just out there having fun. And that was all after I got into the shooting because of the tactical games, I started learning how beneficial it would be to go out and shoot two gun matches to you know shoot carbine matches, move and shoots, things like that. Especially as we're rolling those into um, those stages into typical tactical games. Right. Um, so outside of that, I really, I don't have a competitive shooting background. I get, I get my ass kicked when it comes to shooting quite often. It was always the running joke. Like I was one of the fittest dudes out there and then I'd go to the line and it would look like I was shooting fucking shotgun. Like, I mean, you're talking like everybody talks so much shit to me. Um, I, I spent last year really honing in, on my shooting. Um, I, I, I'm now living in Texas. Um, so that some of the greatest shooters in the entire world live here. Um, so I, I'm, I get the opportunity to shoot with Jared all the time. Who's an absolutely incredible shot. Um, you know, a lot of the three gunners that are out here that he used to run with in that community. Um, so I, I've been working on that. That's the one thing that I definitely, uh, I think everybody in the sport can spend more time on shooting for sure. Yeah. You're out of Austin, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, uh, so a little bit north. So you got uh, Dan Jurasek that's out there. That's kind of yeah. close. Dan and Ben Jurasek. And Dan's a really nice guy. Uh, yeah. I love him to death. You know, anytime I like I know him from the three gun world. Sure. Um, so like, yeah, he's a he's an absolute beast when it comes to shooting. And his fitness has just gone up, too. Yeah. 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 And like uh, I shoot a lot with uh, Garrison England, who yep. was, uh, you know, Garrison's out here. Aaron Hayes is out here. Um, oh, yeah. Steve, Steve Wynn. Um, Jared, you know, all these guys, there's another guy named Jeremy 
Uh, most people have never even heard of him. He's kind of like a ghost. He was actually Jared's partner in the sniper challenge. Um, I respect the hell out of every shooter that I shoot with. Watching him, he shoots open. Watching him shoot open is one of the craziest freaking things I've ever seen in my entire life. The guys that are good at that shit, you're, you're sitting there and it's like... It's slow motion. It's almost slow motion because they are so efficient with every movement that they do that, it, you know, it's like, how are they shooting so fast? It's like, like godlike. It, yeah. it, it is incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. Like, like one of my favorite individuals to watch shoot uh, watch shoot uh, is James Gill. Like, oh, yeah, Gill's awesome. I mean, we've had Gill on here before and like one eye, one leg, and he just crushes everybody. And it's just like, hey, save some for the rest of us. You, you got to think like if he had both eyes and both legs, like where would he be? <laughs> that guy is an absolute unit. He like he came up to me. Uh, you sent uh, Jared and I a text message after nationals and he, he calls his leg Peggy. Um <laughs> So he sent in that run that, I mean, you guys did, I think they, that they did four miles. We were around nine miles. Um, he sent a photo of Peggy just rubbed completely raw. Oh. It was just the, the grossest thing, but like he didn't bitch about it that whole weekend. You have guys yeah. that are completely able-bodied that are bitching about logos in the back of t-shirts. And then you guys have guys like Gil who's got every, he could, he could make any excuse in the world that he wanted to. And he doesn't make a single fucking one. Uh, yeah. Those are the kind of people that we like around. Yeah, no, he's he's an absolute phenomenal human being. Yeah. So I got to ask, you kind of answered a lot of the stuff I was going to answer ask already, but how did that, and at what point did that lead into you taking a lead role in the games itself? Yeah, um, you know, I bothered Jared for about a year before I ever got this job. And it was it was just like, hey, if you ever need help, I am I want to help. I want to help. I want to be part of this. Like, I, I love this. It was um i found a home as soon as i started competing here i i had been competing in crossfit for many years but this was really the place that i went to and i was like holy shit these are my people mm -hmm. like it was totally different than what i think what i expected it to be the people that i kind of like when they're when you're doing anything in the shooting space if you're not involved in the shooting space there's a stigma right you're you're always gonna like you've got this stigma in your head just like anything else if you don't have experience with it and all you've ever seen of it is what's been fed to you that's all you're ever gonna know um i went out there and i walked away from that uh, so i want to say there were 11 events in 2020 i did the first one and then i did eight more that year i flew all over the country i competed at every one i would i would get off work on friday kiss my fiance goodbye fly <laughs> out that night and then go like drive to wherever the venue was in the middle of fucking nowhere, find a hotel room somewhere, like show up first thing in the morning and just go and shoot all weekend and fly out Sunday night or Monday night and be back at work on Monday. Holy shit. That's, <laughs> that's dedication right there. That, and, well, and it's, you know, you, and it's because you, you kind of hit it. It's the community itself. Like most people are going to be like, they're intimidating. Yeah. They may look intimidating, but it's kind of like the three gun community. Like they are the most inviting people I have met, um, yeah. you know, and that's what kind of draws me. And that's what is wanting me to get more involved this year. Now that I kind of have the time, like whenever I was on the shooting team, you know, I had to kind of focus on specific shooting sports. Sure. Um, but now that I'm out, I can pick and choose what I want to do. And it's like, I'm still going to be doing three gun because that's like my bread and butter. And that's what I love. And I love that community. But then I'm picking up uh, and doing more tactical games this coming year because like I love CrossFit. 
you know, I, I love the way it's organized. And then also I love the, the fundamental base shooting and then add, add some of the multi-gun action in there as well. It, it gives you different dynamics that you have to work on. And at the end of the day, it's all about being a better person than what you were the day before. Yep. 100%. The community is all about that, right? It's, it's a bunch of people. There's a, uh, a story from this year that um, we talked about it on our podcast yesterday. Um, and it was about um, Tim Waddoc. Most people know him as Waddoc. Um, Tim was obviously very competitive in 2021. He started building a house in 2022 and just kind of had to step away from the sport and focus on getting married and all the other things that he was doing. Um, he came out and was competing in Ohio. Hepner was absolutely kicking the shit out of everybody the weekend that we all competed in Ohio. Like the, it was some of the best elite men competitors, male competitive field that I've been in since nationals. I decided, I was like, yeah, I'll compete in Ohio. Nobody will compete in Ohio. I got there and I looked at the roster and I was like, well, fuck, this is everybody that beat me at nationals last year. I'm never going to get a goddamn trophy (laughs) out of this thing. Um, So he, uh, Hepner was kicking the shit out of him. I want to say he was like, uh, pretty close to like 200 match points ahead of him going into the last one or a hundred match points going ahead of him going into the last event. Um, on the first iteration shooting iteration, Hepner's gun went down, uh, his rifle went down. Um, he fired two shots out of his rifle out of like a 46 shot string. So you're talking about 440 seconds worth of penalties. Plus you get penalized for not. So if you have a catastrophic malfunction, not only do you get the misses, um, there's, there's used to be a penalty applied for not firing the shots. So it would be unfair. You could game it theoretically. If somebody doesn't spend the time on the firing line that they could actually just like throw their pistol down, rifle down, and then, oh, it's bad. And then start running and start doing their stuff. So there was a rule that, that, um, was being applied to that. So he got hit hard with penalties and, uh, Tim walked up to, um, uh, Jake that right before awards and said, Hey, I don't know how this is going to shake out, but I didn't win this competition. It doesn't matter what happened. Like I didn't win this competition. Hepner kicked my ass all weekend and I'm not going to win because of a technicality. And that, I think like that speaks volumes and that's, that kind of mentality is so evident and so like widespread throughout our community. People want to beat the next person. Don't get me wrong. They want to beat that person at their best. So like information sharing, training, sharing, like, everybody just helps one another out. Like if I'm going to go out there and I'm going to beat you, I want to beat the best version of you so that I know that I beat the best version of you. Not I beat you when you were sick or because your gun went down or whatever it might be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, that's, that's, that's the two comparisons I can see uh, between three gun and tactical games, because in three gun, it's like, you don't want somebody to beat you because they had a better stage plan. You want to, you want somebody to beat you because they're technically sound with their marksmanship. And so people will be like, yeah, this is how I'm running my stage. You know, this is exactly what I'm doing, you know, but at the end of the day, you have to game plan around what your strengths and weaknesses are. Sure. No, I learned that. So again, having never really done any three gun matches, so when I used to shoot, the only time that I would practice shooting would be when I would show up to the tactical games. So like, I just didn't, I didn't have time. I didn't have access to a range. There was a bunch of different bullshit that I had. Like I, I made up excuses. Right. Um, so when I went and shot nationals in 2020, 2021 at RPR, we had a three gun stage. It was a two gun stage, but we had a two gun stage in the event. And uh, I, I was friends with Jared at the time I'd started working for the company and he shot three gun. He's, he's an excellent shot. 
um, he walked with me on my stage plan and just started talking through all of these things. And I'm like, holy shit, man, I was just going to run through here and shoot this really fast. Like, what do you you mean? Like left foot on the rock when I hit my reload? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then I watched him do it. And I like, it was one of those things that like he, and I, I understand technically it's not the best thing to do, but he was firing so fast out of his rifle that he caused um, he caused a backfeed, like he caused an issue with his rifle because he was shooting so fast at first. So he had to clear it. But just watching how methodical and calculated he was on that stage, he gapped the field by like, it was like 20%. It was ridiculous. It, it, it was, he maybe left two seconds out there total on that stage that could have been like the theoretical max for what that stage was. It was pretty impressive. Nice. No, yeah, I love that. That's and I like that you're blending the different disciplines into what you're doing. Like that's, that's being on your a game and like looking at what people want, which is awesome. Well, so last year, you know, we, we talk about it. You can't institute a million changes at once, right? There's too many opportunities for errors. When you do like, before we got on, we were talking about the team event, the first team event. Um, That was a big change. You don't want to institute seven big changes at the same time and then try to just like, well, they'll figure it the fuck out. We've got, we have to execute things methodically. So last year um, was really about solidifying like the sport, right? Like, what are we actually testing? What are we doing? What is this going to be? Um, I'm sorry, that was 2020. Last year was about elevating the fitness of a lot of the athletes in the sport, right? So if you go back and you look at the maximum weights from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, I mean, you're talking about significant increases right like the idea of a 200 pound bag in 2020 was something that was like nobody will ever be able to do this now you see guys in in the elite i mean it's not even the elite division every division that are just repping shit out with a 200 pound bag yeah my my partner andy brown he he picked up a 200 pound bag by himself threw it up over the yoke and i was just like jesus dude you're an animal (laughs) so this year we saw the 300 bag pound bag 300 pound bag come into play right so it's like we pushed the we pushed the needle on the fitness last year we got people more fit throughout the year this year we're we're, you're not going to see a lot of changes in the fitness like as far as maximum weights right we're kind of getting to the top of what we can do there now what we can do is really start challenging people on their shooting abilities right give them another thing to train for so now we're going to start you're going to see more technical shooting you're going to see more two gun stages and matches, you're going to see more um, shorter stages that will have more shooting in them, like a physical element, but more shooting as well. Nice. I like the, I like the idea that you guys are keeping pace with the competition. And I think it's evident in the way that you guys incorporated red dots and pistols, which for a long time, you know, people were foaming at the mouth, like, Every single comment on the, that Facebook group was like, "Can we get red dots?" Um, and I think you guys waited for that that to, for it to stop being a fad and it, for it to start being like a proven a proven thing. And then now it's like infiltrated more of the divisions, with the exception of elite division. And I liked your reasoning. Um, the elites came together, and the people that actually like they, that competition affects. And you're like, "We we're going to stick with irons. That's just the way we're going to roll." Um, so I think it's a good combination of 
you guys pushing to uh, forward the envelope in terms of competition, but also listening to your user base, which is awesome. And it's uh, you you need to right like so. all of us are all of us that work for the sport are competitors in the sport, right? And there early on there was a lot of talk about that, like how can you you know they're cheating or whatever the fuck like that that that's never been the case. Honestly, it's just a bunch of guys that really love doing this stuff got the opportunity to work for this company as well. And would you rather have a board of executives that don't know what the fuck is going on and don't care and like just arbitrarily doing shit and just kind of seeing what sticks or guys that like are out there competing and really, really care about the the final outcome, right? Like if these matches don't go well, if the company goes under, if something like that happens, like this is my livelihood, right? This is what I make a, a living off of. So I really give a fuck at the end of the day. <laughs> and the red yeah, you support. Go ahead. The, for Red Dots, um, that was definitely something that, like exactly like you said, we heard about it. You know, there was it was the the gamers that first, like, and I'm saying the shooting gamers, um, and then guys in law enforcement started carrying them on their, their duty weapons, right? And that's when we kind of decided, like, okay, this evolution is happening now. You know, there's companies that are making level three holsters that have Red Dot, you know, um, hoods on them, so we know that. This is something that's actually going to become prevalent everywhere. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like you waited for like law enforcement, like FBI literally just this year. And I know this because I was working over there as an instructor for four months. They just instituted red dots for all their uh, special agents and, and senior special agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, we're seeing it. Uh, there, the thing that makes me laugh really often is how many people will comment on our Facebook and our social media. Like, what is tactical about this? Um, a, a good majority of our base of competitors are active duty military or law enforcement or veterans. Like these guys, and, and you know, I'll see things. I saw one the other day, and it was like, this is the sport for people that didn't want a GWAT ribbon from 2001 to 2021. Like, you have no fucking idea how many guys. Like either were like OGA or like legit worked and like real pipe hitters. Like anyways, it, that shit irritates the hell out of me. And it's something that um, people that haven't be- done it, people that haven't experienced it from the outside, I can understand maybe a little bit about that. But like, I don't know, the overall idea of what fitness is and what being like what being tactical is uh, to me just means like, hey, you, you're self-sustaining. You are pushing yourself to be better every day. You're healthy. Like you're actually taking physical care of your body because if you can shoot lights out and you're 60 pounds overweight, you're a liability. It doesn't matter. You're a, tur- it's you're, that you can shoot. You're a turret. What's that? <laughs> I call those people turrets. A hundred percent. Yeah. Please absorb the the bullet impact for me. That's what I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, that's that's a fight that we we're we're constantly waging. And and guys like you got you know, you guys being in the sport and being out there and like the people from the law enforcement community, from the, from the government agencies, from the military that come out and support and shoot with us, those are the guys that that are the proofs in the pudding with those guys and girls. I don't mean to just say guys there because there's a lot of a lot of our female base is, I, I would say probably a higher the amount of female competitors that are active duty military veterans or um, law enforcement is probably seventy to eighty yeah. percent. You know, so when you see our female competitors, most of them are. Like they're stepping off their agency work, they're taking off their FBI, they're taking off their, you know, DEA agent, um, plate carriers, putting some soft carriers in there, and then they're going out and competing in our sport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
speaking of service, so I'm aware that you served in the Coast Guard, Nick. Um, Matt and I were actually talking before this, and it's surprising uh, that we got someone from the Coast Guard on before someone from like we Air haven't Force had anyone from Navy, Navy. Air Force. Yeah, so you guys gotta step your game up. But the Coast Guard kind of flies under the radar. Uh, they don't get the credit they deserve. They got some really badass units. They do some really cool shit, and they have some great tactical training. So, being someone with a military background, how relevant is are the lessons that you've learned from the tactical games, and is are there things that you would retroactively apply to your military service? One hundred percent. So, um, you, you, there, I'm surprised you've got one of us on first too. There's like when I was on active duty, I think there were forty one thousand Coast Guard Coast Guard members in the United States. Uh, there were more. Um, what was it? The uh, NYPD had more officers than we had like members of the Coast Guard at the time, right? Um, so it's definitely a smaller service, but you're right, like between the Hitchrons and the MSRTs and like, I'm sure these have all, the organizations have all changed by now, but um, you know, if there's a natural disaster, it was the Coast Guard, um, the, the, um, MS, or the MSTs that would go out there first and be the ones that would open the ports up and get things going back on. So, um, you know, our idea of tactical is a little bit different than you know, they're not going out and they're not, you know, we're not, we're not doing the typical things, right. They're not doing force recon. They're not, you know, that's not the kind of thing, but there is still definitely an aspect of, of shooting and um, you know, the things that we take away, physical readiness, the things that we take away from something like the tactical games that are incredibly important to your job and the things that you do at the end of the day. So like um, the things that I would take away, um, I wish I would have understood the importance of physical fitness and the importance of knowing my weapon systems and testing my gear um, before I ever joined the military. I, I think my career would have been a little bit different, uh, actually. And Matt, you'll feel like this one. So I was going to join the Marines. Um, I had a Marine recruiter that I was working with. Um, and my father was like, hey, like, what do you think about going to talk to the Coast Guard recruiter? The Marine recruiter was like, he, we were ready. We we're going to do it. I walked into the Coast Guard recruiter's office and he was like, uh, Hey, listen, here's the deal. Um, I don't give a shit what you got in your ASVAB. Like the Marine recruiter wanted me because I had an 89 on my ASVAB. And the Coast Guard recruiter is like, I don't give a shit what you got in your ASVAB. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. So you can walk out that door and it's not going to affect me at all. But if you want to be here, we'll accept you in and you can come and do this for the rest of your life. And I was like, holy shit, that was cool. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. That's what I want to do. And the, uh, the Marine recruiter, like, just like continued to call me. He's, I, I told him I was going to college and cause I didn't want to tell him I was going to the coast guard. It's like, I'm going to college, man. Like, uh, uh, checking on me in a little bit. He's like, I'm going to call you in two years. He called me no shit. Two years later, I like on the nose called me and, uh, I, I answered the phone. It was a random number. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? You know, he's like, Oh, this is, I forget what the hell his name and rank was, but uh, it's like, yeah, I just made second class. You know, I'm an E5 now. I'm, I just got done with A school or I, I'd been done with A school for about a year and a half. And uh, anyway, so that totally went off topic on that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I almost I almost joined the Navy. You know, <laughs> I was I went to MEPS, you know, to go join the Navy. And then I found that I, I had a hernia and, uh, you know, had to go get surgery, all that kind of shit. And then, you know, talk to the Marine recruiter. And I was like, fuck it let's do it my, pa <laughs> my parents are like what the fuck like my whole life my parents are like you can join any branch of service except the marine corps <laughs> then i made a career out of it 
So like at me going in, I didn't know any, I, I didn't have any members that had served or um, family members that had served. I didn't really know anything about the military. I, I knew very little. What I saw on TV was my only exposure to it. So um, I knew that the Marine, the Marine Corps was the most badass group out of all of them. So to me, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, fuck it. That's what I'm going to go try to do. I was at a point in my life where I had like zero direction and zero, like I, I didn't know a fucking thing. I was an idiot. I was a true blue 19 year old idiot. I went to college for like a year. I think I got three credits my first year, like just blowing my parents, you know, a little bit of money that they had to give me to pay for school. I was fucking around. I was, I was dumb. Um, so the opportunity came and I went to the Coast Guard recruiters like, all right, so if you're coming in, um, what do you want to do? I see your ASVAB score is pretty high. Um, you know, right now we've got a bonus for, uh, for cook. We'll give you $20,000 if you want to go become a cook. I'm like, ah, I don't think that I want to become a cook. He's like, well, we've got this other cool rate. It's called uh, an electronics technician. It doesn't sound very cool, but like, if you get through school, we'll give you $8,000. And I was like, $8,000 is more money than I've ever had in my entire life. So yeah, I'm going to do that. And uh, it, it was one of those things that like, uh, it was serendipitous, right? Like I, I never would have picked that field if I had known that I was just going to sit around, not sit around, I don't want to say sit around, that I was going to work on electronics. I know it says it in the name, but if I knew that that's what I was going to do, it wasn't necessarily what I would have done, chosen to do with my life. Um, it's where I ended up uh, and it's it created a career path for me afterwards. So it turned out I was good at it, um, at least in some way I was good at it. And uh, I was able to get recruited for work outside of the military. So after seven years on active duty, I got out and I went and worked uh, um, in the defense industry for about 10 years before I came over here. You know, you said something earlier that kind of struck with me, uh, you know, you wish you had known how to better prepare yourself like physically. Um, and, you know, I would say we are all pretty bad at that. We kind of just want to jump into things. And if I if I could go back 20 years and tell my, you know, uh, 19 year old self stretch, warm up don't do all the dumb shit you've done throughout your career. And granted some things you just, you, you can't help, yeah. um, you know, operationally, like you're going to do what you have to do to survive, but like, just like through the training and all that kind of stuff, I wish I had paid attention to a lot of that stuff because, you know, now I'm 39 years old, you know, I'm deaf, you know, I can't smell my, I have flat feet. I have all the, you know, back screwed up neck screwed up and you know i can still do everything i want to do but i i just think of what would my quality of life have been if i had taken the time to better prepare myself for certain aspects i think about that with strength all the time um mm -hmm. my, my fiance is a personal trainer and like i'm hard-headed as fuck <laughs> I, I mean like i've been exercising i i started out powerlifting. i got into bodybuilding and then i got into crossfit and then i you know now I train a little bit differently than I ever have before, but like, I, I would never take advice from anybody else when it came to lifting. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could unfuck like 20 years of lifting because I would be so much stronger now and in such a better place. But I built my foundation of fitness on complete dog shit. It was mm -hmm. just like, nobody ever taught me how to do this stuff. So I didn't, or if they were teaching me, I just wasn't listening. So if I could go back, that would be definitely one of the things that I would do is like, slow the fuck down. You don't need to half-ass squat uh, 315 and it looks like shit and like you're terrible. Your back's all fucked up. You're not engaging your hamstrings or your glutes, just all quads. Like 
I would go back and undo all of that and start that stuff over again for sure. Yeah. So kind of moving on, um, when the tactical games uh, first steps into a location, uh, what is your guys' process for designing and fine-tuning battles? And is there a theme that you're trying to, to get that you're trying to get across to the competitors? Because what goes on paper isn't always what you see on the ground. Yeah, 100 percent So we always we have a game plan, right? We um, you know, if Jared's not competing, if I'm not competing, all myself, Jake, and Jared will sit down and we'll talk through all the stages, right? We'll talk through. Um, a basic idea of here's what we want to test. You know, we all, we have a long movement. We have a long movement because we want to make sure that you can't just be super fucking strong and win this competition, right? Like let's knock that out. You can't be a, a 315 pound strong man. That's going to come in. You have to be able to move yourself, right? Because foot movement's important. It's something that all of us have to do. There's a reason it's in every PFT um, that exists, right? Like you run, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, we're looking for things that are going to test people's you know we test capacity we test um, strength we test endurance um so we have a really strong understanding of what we're going to do and we build workouts based on that we'll set theoretical maxes meaning like all right if there's the rep schemes five three one two hundred can sit in the one and you know we'll go through all that stuff and the same thing with weights and then we load out our equipment based on that stuff um and then you know just like anything else you make this beautiful well-organized plan you get on site and it's fucking sand or it's like, you know, the gravel is, is ridiculous or whatever it might be. We, we, we then get a realistic plan based on what we've got. Right. So first draft was this thing that was on paper, second draft. All right. We've seen the ground, you know, we've seen the layout of the range. We now understand limitations based on size, things like that. We'll adjust based on that. And then, um, Thursday afternoon and Friday morning of our matches, we vet all of our stages. So like last year I was at every single event. I, I, I vetted probably, I can't even tell you how many stages, like we put bodies out there to go out there and test these stages. And it's always our, 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 um, our ROs. We're, we're changing them from battle bosses to ROs this year, by the way. Um, so we, uh, take our ROs out there, any volunteers that show up early, um, we let them go out and run the stages because that's real data to try to drive. Like we can't have, everybody every stage running 15 minutes or like you guys came in early tactical games and you saw there would be people that would finish in eight minutes and people that would finish in 35 minutes and you want to talk about fucking up a schedule um that's a great way to do it so we try to make sure that these like we have resets too so that we can stay on time making sure that all of those things kind of fit in this night tight nice tight package and that people are still getting challenged and having fun out there because at the end of the day people aren't being challenged and aren't having fun they're never coming back. Yeah, I uh, uh, one of the biggest. So my first games was 2019 Fayetteville, the Range Complex, and I've done several since. But one of the biggest things that you guys improved on was the introduction of par times, because like you said, like they were the first time they introduced the 150 pound sandbag. Like some, it was it was an entire like cheering section, but man, like that that one stage backed people up so so badly. Uh, so huge improvement there. But um, talking about the entire preparation of identifying a range, um, putting together the battles, testing them, and then executing it, is there a particular games, like one particular location that you think it just all came together extremely well that you would hold up as the gold standard or, or, or one that was just really memorable for you? Oh, yeah. Um, there's There were, as a competitor, 
um, before I was part of the sport, definitely there were some of those, um, since I've been involved with the sport. Um, I think my favorite one, honestly, and, and, uh, um, uh, Matt, we were talking about this event earlier, um, was the team event this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the big reason for that was our first team event was in 2021. Um, it, it, it wasn't, I don't want to call it a disaster because it was fun as shit. Everybody that was out there had a good freaking time, but we oh, got it, was, it was, it was data collection and it was, it was testing, test and evaluation. That's how you right. got to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, so we also ran into an issue with, uh, there, so all of the rain, all the, all the bays and all the ranges were all heading straight down this way. Yep. At the very end of that was the 360 bay, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so there was like some zingers flying over that 360 bay. We basically had to move an entire stage in the middle of a competition to another area and then get reshoots for it. And when we moved it, we switched over from paper to steel. And then the resets weren't happening because you shoot three gun, you know how important resets are. If you've never shot three gun before, you have no idea that, oh shit, I'm supposed to be out there doing something if I'm waiting in line. Like I'm actually supposed to be helping with this. People weren't keen to that yet. And a lot of that comes down to having really strong ROs or battle, you know, battle bosses before now you're calling them ROs. And a a lot of that is driven by the ROs. Um, And and I think you guys have a good RO crew. Like, you know, a lot of the people that you'll see at these events are people that are there time and time again, helping out, being involved in the community. And, you know, I, I, I think whenever you guys first moved, uh, moved that stage, from the 360 bay up to the uh, top area um you know shannon shannon was there uh, and there's another f- person there megan i don't remember the other individual that was up there but it's like they they took charge and they were like we need help we can't yeah. do this on our own and they got people involved in helping reset yep yeah and that like it went from taking about five minutes in between each shooter on a 90 second stage to about every two and a half minutes we were launching. Yep. So that time you cut that down over 200. Remember we have 200 shooters at our events, right? You cut uh, two minutes and 30 seconds off of every shooter's part or every shooter's time or reset time. It's going to speed things up. So um, the 2022 um, team event was definitely a demonstration of how you get put in a shitty situation, you learn from it, you adapt from it, and you grow and you put on a better event the next year. I had a, I had so much damn fun at t- at the team event in West Virginia this year. Oh hell yeah. Like you know that that was so much fun. I had I had a good friend of mine Andy, him and I were on the on the Marine Corps shooting team together and like we were game planning months in advance. And like he lives in Indiana, I live here and we were just communicating the whole time and we would send each other workouts and everything. And my biggest weakness is my running, my endurance. And I thought I was preparing. uh, I thought I was preparing properly for it. And no, because those trails there, they offered no wind, no nothing. It was just it was humid and hot. And we started our run at noon and. You know, I got about a mile into it and we ran our first mile in about eight and a half, nine minutes. And, and, <laughs> and after we got past that mile point, I was like, Andy, he's like, what's up? I was like, stop, we're walking. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you, you don't got any more left in the, in the tank. I was like, no, we're, we're walking. I was like, I, I was like, so I'm not a safety hazard. And so we can finish this games. Let's just, I need to walk. 
And, and we did. <laughs> and, you know, I had been running, but, it, you know, I think a lot of it came down to that adrenaline. But like him and I were just so in tune with each other. We kind of knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. And we just had a blast. And like, that's where I first met you at the, right before the award ceremony. I was like, hey, you're setting stuff up. Where do you need help? You yep. know, um, you know, and just hanging out with good folks like uh, I just love the community. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, um, the the run at West Virginia is always fun. The first year. So in 2021, Jared and I had were literally like days out of covid. Um, I think I was 11 days out. I think he was maybe like 16 days out. I lost. I, I lost like 15 pounds. I was down to like 185. I looked like a just people kept coming up to me and going, are you okay? Are you like, you, you look sick. Are you okay? I was gray. It was fucking terrible. I remember trying to pick up like, a, I think it was only a 200 pound sandbag at the time. And I was like, yeah, something that, you know, I've been shouldering forever beforehand. Um, but yeah, and Jared, Jared had never lost at that point either. He'd never not been on the podium. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going to help you out with that one this weekend, bud. And uh, it, it, Jared is a very serious competitor, right? He's he, he wants to win just like anybody else. He's out there. He's serious. He wants to win. Um, he, that, that facade, not facade, that broke for him on that one. And it was like, hey, let's have fun. And mm -hmm. after that, man, we had a freaking blast. And I think the team event lends to that. It lends to the serious competitors getting a different format and a different opportunity, the weight of like, this is all my responsibility and the outcome is all based on what I do comes off your back. And now it's about cohesion and working together to get things done. And I think that's like a very important part because a lot of us, like in most of the shooting sports is a very individual thing. There's, 100%. you know, and so it gives you an opportunity to kind of relive childhood dreams or like whether you were in team sports or if you weren't, it gives you an opportunity to just work together and formulate a plan together and see how you work together and how you solve problems. Like me and Andy, like we come from the three gun community. And so we step up to a stage and we're like, okay, this is how we're going to attack this. This is where we're going to be here for this. And this is how I'm going to attack these targets from here. And so it's like, it's, it's a very dynamic conversation uh, between two people who who instinctively want to win or want have a goal that it's set and and just want to do good and then you know we come off the line and then we're encouraging the other person or we're saying hey this really worked for us you know here's some tips to help you along this is how i would handle this this is how i would attack these targets isn't that wild like you will finish a stage and you'll go to somebody else and be like hey here's 10 things that i learned while i was doing that go out there yep. and beat me with it that's, but that's the case. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I hear really often, and you touched on it, is guys guys and girls coming from three gun love the ability to shoot on the line with other people. You're not out there running a stage by yourself, right? You're mm -hmm. out there. There's there's four other people out there with you or in the team event. There's, you know, the 11 other people or 10 other people out there with you. Um, it's a really cool opportunity to go out and, and really push yourself against one another because, you're always going to go harder when there's somebody next to you. There's no question about that. So that's uh, definitely something that's cool. That's different about our sport. So, um, you know, the tactical games, it, you know, it's been around for a little while now and you guys do have iconic obstacles and implements that you guys use, you know, from the uh, rope climbs, the wall to the heavy sandbags. Is there one particular implement that you think symbolizes what the games are about? And then what implement kind of makes you guys cackle 
uh, you know, evilly it, whenever you're going to implement it into a battle. Um, there were a couple of them this year. So if you guys noticed, like uh, this year, we slowly started implementing new uh, uh, new objects. We'll call them objects, but new implements. We still started implementing new implements. Um, the uh, the yoke with the chains on it this year was one of my favorites. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that you don't need to overload it, right? You don't need to make it a 300-pound sandbag vice a 150-pound sandbag to make it harder. Actually, sometimes lightening the load, you make people go faster, and it creates more instability. So it's something that we don't we, – we weren't testing often enough, right, in just a Zercher carry. This was creating instability as opposed to it being physically connected to your body. So that's definitely one that I, um, I really like this year. Um, the one that I think that symbolizes – the tactical games and just like life in general, honestly, people hate it and they talk so much shit about it, but burpees, man, like <laughs> oh, it, that... it's so, it's so fucked up. But if you think about what a burpee is, right, you are literally taking your body falling down to the ground and then standing up uh, unless you are physically injured. There is no reason that you cannot stand up off of the ground, right? You can be tired. You can be get the shit kicked out of you. You can have the wind knocked out of you. Whatever it is, you can force your body up off of the ground. And there are people that will sit there and lay there forever. And then there are people that will grind through it. And that's one of those kind of things that like you are pushing yourself mentally at that point. And that's what I love about the tactical games. That's it's it's a movement to me that like anybody can do. You can go out in your gym right now, put a carrier on, and just go do. 10 minutes of burpees see what the fuck happens to you and see how you feel after that right like it's um people talk a lot of shit about burpees because they came i you know I, i'm sure they came from the crossfit realm but man there's a lot of lessons to be learned about about through burpees in my opinion i don't know whenever the first time the first time i had ever done burpees it was in 2009 it was may of 2009 i remember it uh, we were on a, we were on. It's oddly specific that you remember that date, by the way. <laughs> I, well, I just remember. So prior, prior to that, I had just graduated from Sergeant's course and came back to the company. And then our company guns took us out on a three mile run at the halfway point. We stopped and we did a ton of fucking burpees. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, back then people, I don't know how true this is. I never did the research, but they said, this exercise was created by somebody who was in prison because it was it's the one exercise that you could do in a prison cell and that's fully body weight. So whether or not that's true, you know, I don't know, but it kind of makes sense because it takes a sit evil and sadistic person to come up with some shit like that. So we um, when we went through boot camp, we called them up downs, but it was mm. really the same thing. Right. I mean, it was down. You were down on the deck and then you were up on your feet and you were mm -hmm. down on the deck and you were up on your feet like football camp. I mean, shit, we've been doing these things for years. It was just now I, I don't want to say a practical application because I don't know what, what, but I guess it is practical. It's falling down and it's standing up. Right. And like, you know, we'll usually in, implement or institute something about like stepping over something because for us, like we're really big on standards, right? I want you to do the same movement that, that, you know, Frank does that I do. We're all doing the same shit. So um, that's why you'll see us put things like stepping over a barbell on burpees is, how do you know the reps complete? Oh, it's not. I'm up top and my hips are locked out and now I have to prove it to you. And it's on a judge to decide it's I completed my rep by stepping over something. Now it's actually complete. Like mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff that we look for in, in our uh, uh, in our exercises and our movements. Nice.
we've talked about this a little bit already, uh, but in terms of adding new divisions and implementing rule changes, a lot's changed. You know, I did my first games in 2019. Uh, I came back at the beginning of 2020 uh, when you guys went to Tradecraft in Florida, uh, did the t- team games, and that's where Matt and I kind of ran into each other in 2021 uh, with the L Cartel and all the other shenanigans that happened. Um, but a lot of things have been implemented, and I would say, uh, like, for the better, uh, it's a much more streamlined process. Um, I have a lot. I have a lot of confidence in the scoring and the uh, the competitive parity. But uh, we already talked about the process between you, Jared, Jake, talking about these things. What's been one of the, I guess, longer and more contentious debates between the three of you? And you also talk about implementing changes in sequence. How far out have you guys talked about that? Yeah. So that's um, having. Can, we're we're I don't want to say there's arguments that happen, but like we have a command structure, right? Like Jared's yeah. the owner, you yeah. know, I'm the president, and then Jake is in. Jake does what he does. Um, it is it is. We have when we have debates, it is very much like that, right? Like because at the end of the day, if this shit goes south, like we lose a job, right? But Jared loses a company, something that he's invested himself into. So like a lot of our conversations are leave it on Jake to allow him some, some anonymity to go out there and just like do what he wants to do. Um, and then there are things that we will, we usually don't argue about it beforehand. If it's like, Hey, that's fucking dumb. Change that. It's fucking dumb. And it gets changed. Right. It's usually when it has to do with anything about arbitrary standards, we'll always throw it out. If it's got an arbitrary standard in it. And that is exactly like we talked about, like, you know, is there anything that anybody could introduce like a silly ass thing? Like, carrying it over your shoulder in a specific way, or we, it used to be shooting positions, right? Like what is kneeling? That was a question that used to come up all the time. We well, got you have reverse of- kneeling. You have standard kneeling. You have double kneeling. You have this, right. you have that. Can my ass cheek touch my heel? Is that still kneeling? Right? Like that kind of stuff. So instead of forcing shooting positions now, we force, we force slots. We put people at like, all right, here's about eye level. Here's about chest level. Here's about, you know, here's ground level. Shoot it however the fuck you want. Just stay inside behind cover. Um, so like that, those kind of things, we don't really argue beforehand. There's not a lot of contention there. It's afterwards and it's all right. We do debriefs after every single event. Right. And that's how the sport has evolved and how it will continue to evolve. What did we learn from this last event? Okay. Well, we learned that, you know, um, resets need to be down to 36 seconds for every time a target is out at 75 yards. It needs to be at um, a minute and 20 seconds if it's out at 200 yards like that kind of stuff those are the kind of things that we we really work through afterwards but as far as like we, we don't get into a lot of arguments it's kind of we follow that structure and that hierarchy pretty pretty well nice so we've kind of talked about you know how it's felt to watch the community push each other and all that stuff so i'll kind of we'll, we'll move past that and you know but one thing i do want to ask uh, what would you say that the tactical games provides that other competitive venues don't um anonymity if you want it which is like you know we we have people that come out there and like I, I'll use Greg Everett. This, the, the, if you don't know who Greg Everett is, Greg Everett is one of the founding fathers of Olympic lifting in the United States, right? He literally like wrote the book on Olympic lifting in the United States. The first match that I shot with him, I had no fucking idea who this guy was, right? It was just like, this guy is literally a God in the Olympic lifting world. 
I have no idea who he is. He he coached like him and his wife coached half the U.S. Women's Olympic weightlifting team last year. Um, so you have an ability to go out there and just do what you want to do and not be judged for what you're doing, not be like, you know, we're all kind of weird, right? We're all like, everybody's just out there. Like these people are putting themselves through intentional pain to, to feel better, like, or, you know, cause they enjoy it for some fucked up weird reason. And like, I suck at shooting. I get my ass kicked at shooting out there. I still go out there and do it. Right. Like, uh, so it, it offers people the ability to kind of go out there and just be who they want to be and do what they want to do and not have to worry about like, who's watching or what's going on. And like, people aren't going to pass judgment on you for, for what you're doing. As long as you're not fucking with them and you're not fucking with their good time, go out there and have at it. And I think that's uh that's a pretty cool thing about our sport for sure. I, I just thought of a, another question, um, you know, and you know, and this is kind of a little off topic some, um, but you know, in three gun, we kind of, we have the ability to squad, you know, with each other. Um, we can squad with friends and everything. And I know in the tactical games, it's a little harder just because you have different divisions uh, and everything. But have you ever thought of having people squad within like elite class, like be- being able to like if there if there's more people like in intermediate and you have to do it in different groups? Have you ever thought of opening it up on like practice score now that you're exclusive you- using that? and getting it to where they can squad exclusively with people that they want to shoot on within their squad. So the only reason we don't do that is weight changes, right? So if, if you're in, you know, if you're in elite and I'm an intermediate and Frank's in tactical, then you've got in that same squad, three different weights that need to be on the line. And then like the next group comes up and you have no idea who's going to be in what bay. So that's why we keep it that way. And that, you know, if you're in the same group, you can, get into line with the people that you want to shoot with, right? You okay. squad in the morning, you can definitely, as long as they're in the same division, you can okay. squad with who you want. That, yeah, that's, that's uh, ever since we've gone to squatting the morning of, we've, we've allowed that. We don't put people. That's right. I, I remember that now. Yeah. Like, I just realized you did do that at the team event too. Like, hey, freaking, no, this number through this number, you know, hey, get in the line here, you know. Uh, don't care where you go and like those people in that line is who you're competing with so yeah i, I forgot about that so you kind of reminded me i guess you can say <laughs> and, and that's another thing that like you guys have improved on because I, when i first started shooting in the games it was not uncommon for, for there to be like a heat with like two or three lanes just it was just yeah two guys just running down lanes and a bunch of us just watching like a bunch of assholes um so it, it's, it's it's gone significantly better. Now, sometimes people quit in the middle of the battles at the end of day one. And sometimes that still happens, but you guys have gotten a lot more flexible with it, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, was, we've talked about really this a little important. bit already. So I would say. Oh, no, no. I was just yeah. going to say it's important Absolutely. for that. Exactly. Um, Keeping a tight schedule is like yeah. uh, you, want, you want to be able to, if there's a squad of one person in it, that's a problem, right? That's an extra 15 minutes that we're adding on to everybody else's day. So that's definitely, we, we work to improve that. Yeah, that's something I also picked up from Matt. Because Matt, you know, as a staff in CYC of the shooting team, he put on a lot of matches like at the Marine Corps level. And I would say his matches are probably like the, the gold standard for what I've shot while in the Marine Corps. Um, but in terms of competitive pools or demographics, we've already kind of talked about this. So the joke I often make is like USPSA is comprised of type two diabetics with like $5,000 race guns. 
Um, and then on the other side, I mean, I think you have like generalizations, right? You have the dudes who can who can fucking slay when it comes to shooting, but are in terrible shape. And then you have the dudes who are in really good shape, um, but you know they don't really do the whole dynamic shooting thing. So are there things, I think you guys are already doing some of this by incorporating more action stages into your competitions, but are there other things that you're doing to target like different demographics and try to bring them into the tackle games folds? Uh, and then you talked about like military law enforcement already being such huge demographics. Um, but is there a more concerted effort to like target some of these larger bases and try to bring in more competitors? Cause like I started when I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, um, I saw you guys were coming to a uh, near Fort Bragg and I was like, I got to get out there. And same with Matt, like you, you brought in two dudes from the military. I just think, uh, there's, uh, there's definitely a potential for more of that, like more journeys like ours. Yeah. And a lot of that honestly was, um, there were changes that needed to be made in the sport, um, you know, that that and it was a lot of like we were talking about the reason that the transition happened from battle boss to RO um, early on. Tim was a 10th group guy, Tim, um, you know, I don't know how many combat deployments Tim had to Iraq and Afghanistan throughout his career, but I know it was a lot. Right. Like Tim was a real pipe hitter. Tim did what he had to do um, when he came back, when he started the tactical games, the idea was. I want to make this something that's like what I used to do to work up before I would go overseas. Um, and when he would do that, some of the things like he, you know, a common tagline in the tactical games previously was um, this is the closest thing it's to war. What's right. that? I, you could, the, the tagline uh, I'm familiar with is CrossFit meets combat. Well, so yeah. Or like um, uh, the closest thing to war without getting shot at. Right. So a lot of guys outside looking in were like, that's a fucking joke. Like, how do you take what I've done and what I've put my life into for the past however many years and turn it into a fucking sport? Like, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with that. The calling them battles, like that kind of things. There, there was a lot of, I don't think people knew that a guy that actually had done these things is the one that was leading this charge. Um, so there was a stigma again that was created against it that was like, this is all people pretending. This is all LARPers. Like, we don't want anything to do with that shit. And now I think that's completely gone away, right? So that's why we've kind of gone away from battle bosses because people that had been to real battle were like, hey, I don't, I'm not really super, I don't want this shit. Like, this isn't a, this isn't a battle. This is a stage. Want to call it a stage? Let's make it a stage. And uh, that's, that's why we've transitioned a lot of those things. So I think in that, we're, showing people and that's like people that are in the military people that aren't in the military this is a sport we are out there we are doing fitness and we are doing shooting this isn't war you know we're not trying to simulate war do i think being a competitor in this sport and training to compete in this sport will make you better at your job if you have a job behind a gun 100 100 it absolutely will but this isn't war and that's not what we're doing out there i mean i'll be the first one to say i wish there was something like this like you know uh I wish I knew about these shooting sports early on in my career. I didn't find out about USPSA and three gun until 2013. Um, I was, I was a senior sergeant. Uh, no, I just pinned on staff sergeant at that point. Um, and it's like, here I am. I'm a staff sergeant. I'm getting ready to lead, lead a platoon of guys. And I am just now finding out about the shooting sports the way I did. And I use those lessons. I, I, learn from the sports 
to better train my Marines. I used it as a training aid. Um, oh. And I wish I, I wish there was something like the tactical games earlier on in my career, because I think fundamentally it better physically prepares you uh, and it allows you to hone your marksmanship skills into what you're about to go into, you know, um, you know, being able to see targets at unknown distance and being able to get those first round impacts, being able to go into a house, burn through targets really quick. Uh, you know, it just fundamentally, it prepares you and yes, it is a sport, but it's also a training tool that can be utilized to, to help increase your lethality and your survivability in combat. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And like, that's, that's not coming from personal experience. That's coming from the thousands of guys and girls that I've talked to that are in the same role as you, right. Or that filled the same, we're in the same shoes as you that are saying like, this is helping me in my day job because I'm stronger. I'm more confident. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I it, Kentucky windage is like, Oh shit. I, I can go up to an unknown target, assess where that target's going to be and make a first round or, or a first shot impact. Like, that's how important is that to being out on the battlefield or, you know, heaven forbid you're stateside and you have to pull the trigger and mm -hmm. you know, you're a, you're a police officer, right? Like that, that could mean the difference between somebody's life, life being saved or not. Right. So um, I think it's definitely important. So uh, moving on um, with, so this last year uh, in 2022, you guys introduced skirmishes. 2023 is the addition of regional TTG training ran by individuals that you know and trust. Uh, what does the program for that training look like? And what is the benefit for getting involved with that training? And then what other options are there that TTG can provide for an individual on an individual basis to better prepare for a TTG event? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So um, with training specifically, uh, we'll touch on skirmishes. Um, <clears throat> skirmishes were kind of got out of hand. So they started pretty early on. 2020, I think, is where skirmishes actually started. Um, and the idea was we wanted more people out there doing their thing. Um, the problem was it got out there and more people were doing their thing and it was inconsistent with the product that we deliver. So people were going to these skirmishes and, and seeing some wild, wacky shit and then walking away from it going, well, I am never going back to the tactical games ever again. It's similar to somebody that might have come in tw early 2019 and seen some of the things that were happening early on. You know, maybe like a, a, a you went until midnight when you were only supposed to go until 5 p.m. Like that kind of shit would happen. So we wanted to get uh, a round turn on that and really start to be able to control a little bit better the quality of what was being delivered for the competitors and the people that were getting into these uh, into these skirmishes, which is now called training day. Training day, what you can expect is uh, you'll show up in the morning and it'll be very similar to a tactical games event. So the first half hour that you're there, you're going to get squatted. You're going to get an athlete number. You're kind of going to kind of go through the basic general things. Um, and then after that, you're going to get into a shooting warm-up. That shooting warm-up is going to change every single month. Like how many people knew that there were shooting warm-ups? I, I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the kind of shit that you can like start to get people trained up on those things. Uh, you'll have three, generally three different um, shooting uh, specific practices, right? So it'll be uh, maybe two round groups, right? Like how how quickly can you put a two round group in, you know, where you uh, don't deplete accuracy or you don't lose accuracy on it? Um, that's a lot of what you're going to be seeing in the training days. And then after lunch, it'll go into a stage. You'll run a stage. Now, it's likely not going to be 
a full 12 minute stage. It might be, hey, here's four three minute opportunities to shoot that will total up to what a 12 minute stage would look like. And here's how um, effective weapon manipulation is going to allow you to actually get to the next port or a quick weapons transition is going to allow you to get a little bit more time in the end of it or make you more efficient in what you're doing. So um, training day is definitely going to become more about preparing people to come out and be tactical games athletes in competitions and the ones that are already competing, just putting more tools in their tool belt. As far as like everyday training, um, our training platform just underwent a pretty awesome renovation. So uh, we announced it, it was either yesterday or today. Um, Jacob Hepner is taking over our virtual training. Um, nice. If you want to talk about a guy that is like, you know, one of the fittest human beings in our sport, it's definitely him, right? Mm -hmm. He's he's proven that on a national, on an international stage, six times that he can go out there and he can compete with the world's, you know, some of the fittest humans in the world. And then he took the national championship last year and people are like, oh, it's because he's fit. It's like, no, because that motherfucker was shooting 2000 rounds a week. Yeah. Every single week because you get, and you gave him a Ferrari and he was out there doing everything that he could with it. That dude. So say he that put that the work in, he put the work in and that's what it comes down to. It's how much, it's how much do you want it? You, you know, I think one thing that the games really exemplifies is, you know, you it takes your it takes a level and an ability and a drive and passion to win. You can't just rely on your fitness. You have to also be able to shoot. You can't just rely on your shooting. You have to be in shape. You know, there's that special balance there. And, sure. you know, he, you know, he's extremely fit but he showed this dedication on the, on the marksmanship side that just pushed himself, you know, even further. And he won. Yeah. Yeah. He was like pretty fresh off of his, you know, coming off of his CrossFit career when he came to his first event, he might've even still been competing at the highest mm -hmm. level in CrossFit and he got fourth. Like that's I, I, that you can only go so far based on that. And he got fourth at like a, a 20% differential. It wasn't like, Oh, I got fourth and I was real close to winning. That's a twenty, like a twenty-point shift in in third and fourth on that one. Um, over, but training outside of that. So our overall training program, uh, the new one's called Complete. Um, that will have Hepner doing all the fitness programming. Kalarina Key, who is another female elite competitor, um, she is also a, a, a chiropractor. She's going to be doing the warm-up portions of it, um, and then Sal Hernandez, uh, who is you know without a doubt, I mean his team. I think won POA this year. They were either uh, they were top three, I'm pretty sure, in SWAT Roundup. The guy he finished third, or he was uh, you know on the leaderboard uh, uh, for nationals as well. Um, he's an amazing shooter. You if you've seen his wife's progression in shooting, his wife shoots like 95% now in tactical games. She's unfreaking real. Um, it's you know I, I I'm sure there's some back and forth there about who taught who, but Sal's definitely the one that like you know he's now giving all the training shooting side of it. Um, specifically for guys that guys and girls that like you know work in squad cars or, or make their living behind a gun um we've got another training program called shift um justin bettencourt is the guy that heads that up he uh he's he was uh i want to say he was in the army he did like uh, uh maybe a tour in the army got out and now he's a, a law enforcement officer in uh pretty sure it's tennessee um he now is writing programming for guys that work in body armor all day and girls that work in body armor all day because 
people don't necessarily understand this, but if you've got an extra 40 pounds of kid on you every single day, when you're walking around or you're sitting in a car, getting out of a car, getting into a car, getting out of a car, you're putting a lot of fatigue on your joints and different parts of your body that sitting at a desk all day doesn't necessarily do to you or people in other occupations. So like preparing those men and women for longevity and how they can actually like stay healthy, like we were talking about for their entire lives. So after their career is over, how they can continue to be healthy. Um, we also have our speed and agility um, programming as well. And that's designed specifically for this one run by uh, Amanda Cherry, who's a strength and conditioning coach here, um, here in Austin. Um, that one's designed for, um, for action shooters, like, you know, the, uh, your ability to maneuver and to manipulate and actually get around on your body is incredibly important when you're shooting three gun, right? It might not have been before, mm-hmm. but now sports evolved. And now you have guys that are really fucking fit that are out there moving around, moving faster, cutting, you know, unstable objects. You're all over the place. The ground's never flat where you're shooting. It's not like you're shooting on concrete, right? So um, that programming is designed specifically for people like that, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. So we're trying to cover the full array of people in our space and then adjacent to our space as well. Yeah, I noticed Dave Hartman from the Three Gun Show has been putting a lot of stuff out on yeah. on the speed and agility work. Him and I were talking about it quite a bit uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, he's loving it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and why not? Right. Like at the end of the day, if you can dedicate 45 minutes to an hour of being healthy, not just today, but like longevity later in life. I don't want to be a shitty 65 year old. I want to be the 65 year old that I see at that, like the CrossFit affiliate or at planet fitness that's out there just fucking crushing. crushing it. It. That's what I'm be. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so talking about the future for the games and I realize there's many different ways to dissect this because really the games it's, it's a competition at face value. Um, but there's also, we can talk about it's its future as a brand and we can talk about its future as a community um but what do you what do you as president what do you see uh in the near and far future for the games um any like widespread ambitions that you guys are chasing after and you can be as vague as you want because we know that you guys have some great stuff coming up um just curious to pick your brain in terms of um yeah where's the games gonna go next so I, I want to be, and I don't mean I personally, I mean I as in the tactical games. I want to be a part of the group that changes the stigma about what shooting is, about what being a, a firearms owner in America is, and what owning an AR-15 is, and ensuring that the Second Amendment lives on forever, right? That's something that is like at the heart of our company, what we are absolutely all trying to do. Um, the way that you do that, in my opinion, is you get everybody in America shooting, right? Like, if everybody shoots, then people realize uh, there's there was a stigma before because people didn't know. All they saw of an AR-15 was like, oh, I was my son was playing Call of Duty Modern, Modern Warfare, or I saw it in a fucking movie on television and somebody a soldier was blowing somebody up with it. That's all people knew. They didn't know that like, oh, there's guys that go out and girls that go out and shoot three gun on the weekends. There's guys and girls that go out and shoot tactical games on the weekends. There's guys and girls that are out there doing whatever the hell like that that's near term and future. We want to ensure that the second amendment and the right to own whatever kind of weapon system that you want continues on in this country. And that like, you're not going to fix a fundamental problem with the, the culture in America by taking away our 15s. It doesn't happen that way. Oh, fair point. That's, that's honorable. Uh, so last question. Um, if I was an active duty service member right now, which I'm retired, so I can't be anymore. Uh, and 
I was looking to go to my first tactical games, what would you say to me? Um, be prepared to eat a piece of humble pie. Like, uh, uh, there are a lot of people and, and we see this. It's not just, it's not just in the people coming from the military. It's anybody that comes out to the sport. Right. Um, it, it happens a little bit more in the military when guys come from special units specifically where they're known to be the best of the best. Yep. Um, they come out and they get beat by a dentist or a doctor or like a fucking accountant, right? A plumber or a 15 year old <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what you have to understand is that you, you, you're absolutely an elite soldier. You're absolutely an elite airman. You're absolutely an elite sailor, whatever you might be. Um, this is a game, right? And people are out there then they've been working at getting better at this game, at this sport. Um, you can be, you can be one of the best fucking soldiers out there. You're going to get the shit kicked out of you if you go play basketball against some people that are at a, playing at a collegiate or a professional level, right? You're going to get the shit kicked out of you. Mm-hmm. Think about this the same way. There are things that you will take away from our sport that are absolutely applicable to your job and will make you better at your job, but this is not your job. So be prepared to come out there and get the shit kicked out of you by a dentist. And then at the end of the day, get better because of it. Understand that there's something to progress forward. So it's just like anything else. It's a learning opportunity. And if you treat it as such, you're going to come out of it better. And I love that you brought that up because whenever I first got into the shooting sports, like I was one of those guys, I got out there, I shot, I think I came in last place in my first match, yeah. but I was shooting, you know, I was shooting with an EOTech and a, and a three power magnifier. And, you know, you're shooting six inch steel targets at 350 yards. And it's <laughs> like, of course, EOTech's not going to be good, but there's, a, there was another aspect too. Like, I just didn't know how to shoot the way those guys shot. And a lot of guys come out out to competitions with these preconceived notions that they had that that they have the best marksmanship training uh, that the military has offered them. And I'll be the first one to say, no, you don't. And I can't say that because one of my main missions whenever I was in charge of the Marine Corps shooting team is to bring relevant marksmanship training to the Marine Corps. And, you know, it our program like james gill he was kind of he he kind of started it in the marine corps you know really bringing a lot of the action shooting uh within the marine corps shooting team and it just wasn't him it was like john browning aaron farmer nate stocking like guys like that um but then you know whenever i took over it's like i had to shoot bullseye pistol and i wanted to commit suicide on a daily <laughs> basis like i hated my life um, but it gave me an appreciation and i did learn a lot of really good lessons out of shooting that sport and i really did hone in my fundamentals so whenever i did get back to shooting three gun you know i was that much better i went into that sport with so much more control and so much uh, a better understanding of the fundamentals to where now my level is, is just that much more elevated. Um, but whenever we go out and we teach, we teach from competition. What we, we take the best lessons we have learned from competition and we bring that to the big Marine Corps. Uh, that way they are getting the best training that they can to increase their lethality if they have to go to combat. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, why not take things from the guys that like guys that have like sub one second splits, right? Like there's a reason that guy, these guys are shooting inaccurately, right? Like just the crazy, the draws, the things that you see, like kind of the, you know, it's an Instagram reel, a lot of it, but 
is your draw 12 seconds and you need to work on this now and get it down towards that, like, you know, getting into that two second time frame or getting into that, like, you know, drawing on target. I mean, obviously like taking as much of that as you can from other disciplines and learning and absorbing and learning, like why the fuck wouldn't you want to do that? Mm -hmm. I, I think, uh, if you go into it with an attitude that I am the best at this, I have nothing to learn. You're never going to learn anything and you're always going to be in the same place that you are today. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I really enjoyed this conversation. This is really fun. I've been wanting to do this. Uh, I mean, shit, Frank knows. I've been wanting. We wrote to these questions six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like we we we've been hungry to do this, and I, I'm really glad you accepted and you were interested in doing this. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you at future games. Uh, I really hope we can get more involvement through, you know, specifically for me, the Marine Corps, get guys in the Marines out there. Uh, but thank you again. And, uh, you know, this is kind of Christmas time, even though this is being released after Christmas. But Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Thank you guys both very much, Frank. Matt, it was great being here and I appreciate you guys. And uh, Merry Christmas and happy new year to you both as well. Yeah. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions, if you want to reach out to Nick or any of the guys at the Tactical Games and learn anything, I'll have their information uh, in the show notes. That way you guys can get a hold of them. Or if you have specific questions for us to ask them, um, let us know. Thank you. Thanks, guys.